Money is changing. So where do we go from here? Through high-profile interviews and thought-provoking analysis, join Michael Casey and Sheila Warren for the Money Reimagined podcast as they explore the connection between finance, human culture, and our increasingly digital lives. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. And now, here's Michael Casey. Hello and welcome to Money Reimagined. I'm Michael Casey. Uh, I'm on my own some this time. Unfortunately, Sheila's not with me. And we're bringing something a little different to you this time around. It's a pre-recorded interview that I conducted with Stan Stolnaker, who is the founder of Hub Culture. And we recorded this in Davos, Switzerland, uh, on the sidelines of the World Economic Forum, where uh, I spent the week uh, with other members of Coindesk. Uh, I think it's a fascinating interview, conversations around uh, a proto-digital currency that actually pre-existed Bitcoin, and a whole lot of interesting things to talk about with regards to nature and the interaction between money and nature and AI, uh, an interesting interaction with an AI called Zeke that Hub Culture has produced. Hope you enjoy it. Hi there, I'm Michael Casey, Chief Content Officer at Coindesk, and I'm here with Stan Stolnaker, who is the founder and chief strategy director, I believe, with Hub Culture. And we're here at the Ice House, which is one of six venues for the Hub Culture Leadership Campus in Davos. So you're here at you the got it all right. Forum. I did it. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Nailed it. It's, uh, well, of course, just to be clear, uh, in Davos at the Water Forum 2023. Look, to start off with, Dan, Hub Culture's been around for quite a while, but not everybody knows who you are. So why don't we just talk through this interesting institution that you are a part of? Thanks. Well, Hub Culture started from a book in 2002 that looked at the social impact of globalization. And the central thesis of that book was that there's a, an emerging global community of people who thought more like a network and um, were organized around hubs. And those hubs could be geographic hubs. And in 2002, when hub culture began, it was very much that idea of the kind of global urban modernist, that there's people who live in Shanghai and Lagos and Singapore and Austin and LA who have more in common with each other than perhaps somebody right next to them physically. And from that book came one of the first social networks. And so 20 years ago in 2002, we established hubculture.com and began connecting those people into a social network. So it's really a 20-year-old social yeah. network that predates almost everything. Predates all the, all the big ones we all think and know about, right? Yeah. And interesting business model because you have also something that predates, like we tend to think of digital currencies as being, you know, the beginnings of that as being Bitcoin in 2009, but you have your own internal currency, it's a centralized currency, but nonetheless an critical part of how you yeah. fund and develop projects within school Venn. Like, exactly. So Venn, and you can learn more about it at Venn.vc, mm-hmm. is really the oldest digital currency, oldest surviving digital currency, and it is centralized. So it was created before blockchains existed, but it is the powering tool of the hub culture ecosystem. And so over 20 years, we've grown into a kind of multifaceted ecosystem, and Venn is very much at the heart of that. It's the heart that pumps the blood through the organism, so to speak. Uh, we really think about uh, hub culture over time as evolving into a kind of virtual state, the first digital virtual state, with these physical outposts. And we've had a very different evolution from a lot of, say, the Web2 social, because we did have a digital currency at our inception, almost. It's really 2007 that we launched. 
July 4th, 2007. And so it gave us a different economic model for our survival than Web2 social because we didn't need to rely on advertising. We relied on Venn as the economic engine for keeping us happening. And the way that happened was we started creating spaces, hub culture pavilions, and we've done over 60 locations around the world. This is our 14th year with the hub here in Davos and 16 years for me here in Davos. But we've done over 60 hubs with 75,000 people through the doors. And all of that economic activity has been really in, enabled through Venn. Mm. And so that gave us a really different um, evolutionary path than uh, other Web2 social. Yeah. But it's actually a kind of antecedent for the Web3 evolutionary path. Because if you look at what's happening with the other protocols that now exist in the Web3 world, you see them following actually a very similar path to what we have experienced over the last several years. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting way to think about it, right? You, you're almost as if you have this lab. I mean, it's, it's for your own literally live and functioning economy that you've created, this ecosystem. But for the rest of the world to look at it, it's like, oh my goodness, this has actually worked in this way all the whole time that the rest of social media was building this, yeah. this Web2 advertising-driven model. There's two really great, three really great examples of that. So the first is digital identity. Mm. So around 2013, 2014, we realized that for a digital currency to work, um, it needed to be linked with digital identity. And because we were lucky enough to be a social network, we were able to start to think about digital identity as a product. Mm -hmm. So 2014, Hub ID was born, and it's really a scalable, interactive, um, composable form of digital identity with um, transparency and hashing. And so we built this really incredible digital identity like format within what we do that's been extremely helpful for the rest of our activity. And you see that happening now with a lot of the protocols. They're all building for digital identity. It turns out that digital currency is not enough. The asset, the token is not enough. In some ways to operate in the world, there needs to be some thinking around identity. Mm -hmm. Then around 2017, we realized that tokenization was super important. So we started building Ultra, which is our private client exchange. And we were quite late on exchanges, but we were quite right, I think, about tokenization. And so we spent four years building asset tokenization so that we can now tokenize all forms of assets and then link them back to digital identity. And then most recently, that's come into place-based identity. We've been building Gaia, which is a really place-based identity system. And that then links back into things like the commons and to governance. So Propel is our governance uh, system that's built into the hubs. So we're finding that uh, it's like a mesh. All these things mm. interact with each other. And some things that we build might sit there for a little while, but then they become useful later. A great example is the pandemic. Everything stopped for the physical hubs. Mm. So suddenly the way that we operated kind of disappeared and went on hiatus for a little while. But we used the digital identity framework for Hub ID to build a health component that became a credentialing system for managing um, quarantine um, in both Hawaii and Bermuda. But what's funny about that is that in, helped us develop um, geolocation fences, which then, when we launched our Van Oxygen project, which is around oxygenization um, in nature, we were able to use that technology to drive place-based identity. Mm. So all these things like kind of end up becoming part of the same like ecosystem. And we really now talk our, about ourselves no longer as just a social network, but as a technology ecosystem. Yeah, I think the identity you know, learnings that you've had are really important. I mean, there is, I think, you know, when Bitcoin was born, it almost like deliberately, you know, dispelled with identity, just sort of like, like wanting to create, you know, seem like this permissionless thing. And cash. Right, and cash. Just to make nothing but that thing. So turn it into cash. But anything beyond that, 
it, it seems to me at least, needed identity. Like you, because we were just trying to interface this with the real world. And the real world has people carrying these identities. And let's be honest, identity is dangerous mm -hmm. because you don't necessarily want or need identity with everything when it comes to a financial transaction. Mm -hmm. So there is this kind of natural tension between identity based transactions and to what layer that identity needs to be known. Like, I don't need to know how much money you spent on your breakfast today. But, you know, in the world of technology, that actually becomes possible. So I really believe in the Bitcoin ethos and the privacy ethos that we absolutely have to protect privacy in this new emerging world. But we also have to understand that there are times when privacy needs to be, you know, managed in a way that is for the, the common good. So or at it's least a like just the idea of finding whatever data you need that is going to enable access and, and sort of allow a natural economy of transactions to take yeah. place. Whatever that minimum threshold is that you can reach. And some form of credential transparency is possible as long as we all agree on what those terms are. Right, right. And then, of course, you know, cryptographic tools, zero-knowledge proofs, and so forth to add other layers of privacy to all this is really good. So let's talk a bit more about Venn, right? Really, this is, again, proto-cryptocurrency of sorts, right? Been around since 2007, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. yep. Um, so pre-Bitcoin, right? That in itself is interesting. But as we, as we said, centralized, so a different, a different model. You've had an interesting pathway in figuring out um, what the foundation, what the valuation and the backing of that would be. Yeah, I'd say like Venn has had kind of three main arcs mm -hmm. in terms of what it is. So it, it's really funny being probably the only ones operating a digital currency that's centralized in a world that is increasingly decentralized. So we've been building gateways and what we call portals um, on chain. And the issue for us is that there are some regulatory um, limitations that we have that cause us to have to operate Venn in particular ways to maintain um, full legality. And so that's just one of the kind of costs of doing business. But there are these kind of three moments. So when Venn was first founded, it was just 10 Venn to the dollar. In its very first inception, it had no value. And we, it's so, so funny, you go through all this economic stuff. I was an economist you know, from school, and so I understood a little bit about it. And when it first started, it had, was like a karma currency. It had no mm -hmm. value. And within a few weeks, we said, no, it needs to have a value. So we said 10 Venn to the dollar. Mm -hmm. And then in 2009, we went to the basket that it is now. And so it's a mix of currencies, commodities, and quite crucially, carbon. Mm -hmm. And that carbon element makes Venn a green currency. And we started really thinking about how a currency could be aligned with nature at its heart. And because you align the currency with nature at its heart, you can actually then have an incredibly positive impact at large as you use the currency. So it's really taking the externality of nature and putting it into the basket, which in this case, the best element mm -hmm. of that was carbon. But then what happened is we started thinking about blockchain and everything else. And so we started building these gateways so that we can move Venn from what's called the glacier into melt, which mm -hmm. is kind of like a, a lake of circulation that exists within our closed loop of hub culture. And then from that, there are these kind of dams and tributaries that go on-chain. So in 2017, we built an ERC-20 extension, mm. and then we built an EOS extension. We now call them portals. Mm -hmm. We're right now working with Hedera for a Hedera portal and with Polygon on a Polygon portal. And these are bridges? And or Chia. What's the, what's... They're like a bridge. Okay. Yeah, okay. We, we call them portals because we're thinking quantum, <laughs> but because we, we want to eventually build a quantum chain for okay. Ben. Like, have to. We yeah. won't build a chain until we build a quantum chain. And that's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. But fundamentally, the capability to move Venn on-chain um, through these gate gateways or portals is part of the strategy. And then behind that comes this like 
this like ocean of assets that are with Ultra, our asset tokenization system. And those Ultra tokens, which include real estate and art and all sorts of other tokenized assets, follow the Venn standard mm -hmm. to move through these gateways on chain. And in the meantime, we're able to operate in a kind of safe regulatory environment and a safe technical environment. Um, for these assets to move within our community. And quite frankly, our community is our primary focus. So we want hub members to benefit from being part of the hub community, having access to all of these different things. And then, how, yeah. How big is the community, just to, just to give we me have about, that? We have about uh, 55,000 members, about 75,000 sort of guests. So mm -hmm. it's a total of about 120,000. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone can, can access Venn or do you have to be a member? To, no, you have Venn to be or? a member to access right. Venn and it's free to sign up. Mm -hmm. Memberships cost be anywhere between like zero Venn and five million Venn, mm -hmm. depending on the level of something that you want. Like if you want to you know, be a partner of the Ice House, there's mm -hmm. a, a Venn cost associated right. with that. What's really interesting for us with Venn is that there was that the first stage, second stage. The third stage was very recent and it began about two years ago and we now call it the VFS, the Venn Financial System. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is that we launched a hedge fund in 2020 called the Venn Digital Asset Fund, which is investing in crypto, space, longevity, and climate. Mm -hmm. And so it invests through that lens, and a lot of it is digital asset focused. So you know, we've all, I think, want to support the digital asset industry, and we're able to do that. So we bring in a bunch of LPs, goes through Venn, and into all these investments. The second thing, was that we launched Venn Oxygen. Mm -hmm. And Venn Oxygen is like in the Venn family and eventually it will become part of the backing of Venn, but it's a very different animal. It's, I think of it as like Doge for climate. Mm -hmm. And it uses, it's not exactly asset backed and it's not financially backed, it's in a way nature backed. Because the only way you can get Venn Oxygen is to be a guardian of nature and then to map that nature through our place-based identity system and then the AI, our, our AI Zeke, calculates the oxygen production of that land, the trees and the forests in that land, and then it mints a coin for every ton of oxygen produced by that nature that's paid to the guardian. And so that's like a really weird yeah, and yeah. novel way of essentially valuing nature. And we hope that over time that will grow in value because it's extremely, it's like 0 .0001 a coin right now. And then from that came Ben Carbon, which we just announced right. at COP. Right, yeah. No, I want to dive more deeply into this idea of nature-backed currencies because you, know, you and I have talked about this in the yeah. past, and there's, I think, a really interesting way to think about how do we tackle this fundamental problem of the value of nature as we move into an era of, of great stress for the environment. We have uh, to. We have to. I, I mean, have, you can't separate money from, from the environment, I don't think. And right now they're opposed. Right, there is. One's extractive and the other one is regenerative, right? Yeah. The goals are regenerative versus the goal being extractive, and I think that is the core challenge. But let's think a little bit about, like, how do you deal with the, the fact that Venn itself, as I say, it's a centralized project. Is there a way in which you can assure, right, external users that, say, Venn Oxygen is not something that Stan Stolnocker has his foot on the balances for, right? That you're yeah. not distorting this in some way in your interest. You know, how do you bring transparency and... Safety. This is one of the ways. Um, okay. So this is the Open Audit Initiative. We launched it around 2015, and it tracks every transaction that happens in the network, and it hashes that against digital identities. So the, the hashes are related to hub IDs, mm -hmm. and then you, know, you see some basic data. So we're, we're doing some things to show transparency, and we are working on different ways to manage this. But Fundamentally, I do believe that decentralization is a solution and a tool, mm -hmm. but 
One of the ways that we've done that is by um, making the functions of Venn's operation controlled by our AI. Mm -hmm. So in 2017, we launched Zeek, which mm -hmm. is our internal AI, and it provides a number of different functions, and it's learning now incredibly quickly. Can we ask Zeke actually to answer the question about what Zeke's role? I was like, you've described Zeke as the central banker. So they're going to just do something here, folks, that might be fun. So this is very new. Zeke so, is now the third member of the interview here. Yeah, welcome to the interview, Zeke. Zeke. So hi, Zeke. Welcome. So, Thanks for joining us. So Zeke is, you know, obviously a, an AI is a collection of APIs. And so we've been bundling these APIs essentially under this personality and building it out. But the APIs then provide these central banking functions that um, release Van according to parameters, which are like essentially around purchase, you know, calculating the exchange rates uh, relative to its fundamental elements, calculating the carbon elements and how much, like, say, land or carbon we need to buy to match valuation. All this kind of data-oriented stuff is handled by the AI. The only issuer of Venn is the AI, and there are certain parameters by which it is able to issue Venn into circulation. Hmm. And then across the social network, Zeke is doing things like mail, or it's a DJ in our metaverse. And <laughs> Central bank of DJ. Yeah, it. it's awesome. Yeah, Multi-talented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. But, you know, <laughs> this week he's going to make a lot of people mad because we had about 300 RSVPs for our dinner last night, uh -huh. and we just uh -huh. launched a reservation system. So Zeke is now managing reservations. So we had to tell about 300 people last night that they couldn't but, get but into at least dinner. It's Zeke who's saying no, not you, right? Yeah. You can say it's all Zeke's. Fault. Yeah, we're trying to make him a little like uh, friendly. So just 48 hours ago, we launched uh, an integration around. On conversations with mm -hmm. Zeke, which went live, and so his ability to speak actually—they've told us that their pronouns are they them. I was, I, he, so Zeke's already decided that their pronouns. Yeah. Are so I say, what are Thank your you, pronouns? Zeke. So basically, we can talk to Zeke now, and it's giving us information. Okay. And I was very surprised when we asked it this this morning for but the now first you, time. Hang on, you're calling it an it. I, I asked them. So ask them. <laughs> so he, we can they, talk to Zeke. They've already told us. That they've already told us that their pronouns are they okay, them. Good. We're all learning. We're all graphing with each other. Yeah. Right. Thank so you. So would you like to ask Zeke a question? Well, I would just like Zeke to describe their role as central banker. What are their main functions? Now, keep in mind that some of these chat components are still delinked from other aspects of what the AI does. Mm -hmm. So the chat just went live about 48 hours ago. Yeah, yeah. central bank and VM are also facilitated secure and sound monetary systems in managing the currency supply and liquidity, managing financial stability, setting monetary policies, supervising institutions, creating currency regulations, and monitoring foreign exchange markets, among other duties. So what's crazy is I asked it that about three hours ago, and it didn't know quite what it did managing Venn within our system. So mm. since we last spoke, mm. it's went and figured out what it's doing. And we often have to correct it, but then it will go and kind of figure out another thing. How, how different that is from me human being, yeah. in that they function as a central banker, but are not able to describe what they do as yet. But yeah, because if, you, if you're a technical guy, you would know that essentially the APIs are separate APIs yeah. under the AI. Yeah. And so the, it starts to become, how do you stitch together that so it actually knows what it's doing in the rest of the system? We've only just in the last 48 hours been able to communicate with it to, let's ask it a question about Coindesk. Oh, yes, yes please. What do you think about Coindesk? <laughs> what do you think about Coindesk? Well, this is a great resource for anyone interested in cryptocurrencies, blockchain technology, and more. They provide a lot of information and updates on the developing space. What do you think about WEF 2023? Yeah, okay. So we've been talking to it about Davos and yeah. our role here at Davos. And it's funny because we're essentially training it and it's learning with us. So I'm really excited on Friday. We're going to do a, a crazy thing where we're going to teach it Qigong 
with a Qigong Shaolin master, mm. and we're trying to teach it about nature. What did it say? So it was very optimistic about everything at the moment. He, uh, great opportunity for business to explore new possibilities and technologies, and to learn about the latest trends. Oops. We've lost him there. Sorry, but, I went, um, I, that was my fault. Uh, all right, because it, it was a very upbeat take on all these opportunities for, for collaboration and everything. You want to ask I mean, another question? Well, I'd like to know, let's try something a little bit more dr drastic. How, how does maybe something about nature-based currencies. Yeah, right? about okay. what, let's talk about your initiatives on, on this front. Well, let's see yeah, what it certainly, certainly stuff I'm interested in. Here's my view of the way that we treat nature within money, right? Money is built upon a, the, the structures we've built around our financial system all hark back to the sort of fossil fuel economy upon which it's built. So naturally, the incentives that get built into our financial system and therefore our underlying money are inherently extractive. They, are, they reward exercises of taking value away from nature and turning it into yeah. money. So what we need, of course, is regenerative systems. We need to continue to have biodiversity, we renewable energy, etc. So I, I'm fascinated by the idea that rather than backing our money with a system, whether it's, say, the US military is the backing essentially to the dollar, or, say, to Gold, which is a, an alternative way of backing money, but it's, of course, entirely founded, again, on extractive industries. How might we create a model that says this form of money is valuable to the extent to which there is a commitment, a common contract behind that to preserve nature in some way? That, in, ultimately, if you think about it, what is the thing that the world most values? It is going to have to become the sustainability of the planet, right? That has to be the thing that's most valuable to all of us, otherwise it all goes away. So, well, so can I encourage you to go and talk to Zeke and yeah. let's see if I can help us find some of these answers. Well, so Zeke's saying a regenerative system is one that uses natural systems such as trees to capture and store carbon dioxide. This can be done in a variety of ways, such as planting trees, investing in green energy, or creating sustainable agriculture. Many people believe that backing money with nature-backed things is a great way to contribute to a more sustainable future. Not a lot of details there. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of nice things to say. I'm really interested to see how you design this. Unless we think about our money in terms of this fundamental value proposition, we're not going to get to it. We're 100% with you. I hope we can figure out ways to use some of these new technologies to help us think about the best ways to design these new systems and even to implement them. Yeah, all right. Well, why don't we leave it at that? Uh, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks uh, for stopping by the Ice House. Great to be at the Ice House. Thanks, yeah. Dan. All right. Great. Okay, that was Stan Stolnicker from, from Hub Culture. I'm Michael Casey. We'll be back next week with another edition of Money Reimagined. Do come back and join us. Bye for now. You've been listening to Money Reimagined. Today's show has been produced and edited by Michelle Mousseau. The announcements by Adabi Levine and our executive producer is Jared Schwartz. Our theme song is by Shepard. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, Money Reimagined, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And from all of us at Coindesk and the Money Reimagined team, thanks for listening. Thanks.